So one of the things that Pastor Darren has taught uh, me and my wife, my wife Jamie's back there, hey babe, um, uh, was to count the days that we had left with our kids. Um, and he always said, you know, count the summers that you have left. And so, you know, you got five summers left. You got four summers left. And right now we have a, a sophomore son and an eighth grade daughter. Um, and so we have three summers left with Andrew still in the house. Uh, we have five summers left with Abigail in the house. And, and as I continue to count the days left with Andrew, we have just a little over 1,100 days left before Andrew goes off to college or, or wherever the Lord leads him uh, after high school. And so as my days get fewer, my focus tends to become more intense on wanting to make sure I spend time with him, uh, to disciple him, to show him who Jesus is before he gets to step out and, and live uh, in this world on his own. So we tend to find that as we come close to the end of seasons in our lives, uh, that we focus on the things that matter most. And as we dive in to 2 Timothy chapter 4 together, um, we're getting a glimpse into Paul's final days. And we'll see that focus in his final recorded words. And we'll see something else uh, that could possibly help many of us uh, as these holidays are approaching us uh, here soon. Actually, Thursday. So uh, if you haven't already, open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we'll start in verse 9. And to honor the reading of God's word, if you wouldn't mind standing with me. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander, the coppersmith, did great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he is strongly, for he is strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of On Onesiphorus. Erastus remained in Corinth. I left Trophimus, who was ill, in Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the other brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace and peace be with you. Thank you. You may be seated. So there's so much happening in this section of Scripture and so many things the Lord could teach us um, as, as we dive in uh, to each little element that Paul is bringing up in his final statements um, to, to Timothy. But we're going to focus on, on just one point. 
And, and this point is loneliness. What we know is that Paul is in prison. Uh, Paul is awaiting execution. And Paul is alone. And, and so let's look at how Paul responds to loneliness. So if you start in, in verse 9, the first thing we see is that Paul requests for Timothy to come soon. Um, Paul was most likely in prison in Rome, uh, writing his farewell letter to Timothy, who is in Ephesus. And so if you go to Google Maps and you find those two locations, we're about 1,250 miles apart. 1,250 miles apart. And that's the short route, right? Okay? Um, and, and what we find is that Paul is alone and he's feeling alone for multiple reasons. Uh, some are sinister. Some are practical. But all of them are discouraging. And so, so first we hear about Demas, who left him in verse 10. He deserted him. And we've heard about Demas before. We've heard about him in Colossians chapter 4 and in Philemon. Uh, Demas had seemed to be a faithful partner, but now has forsaken Paul, has, has abandoned him, has left him for dead. And it was probably worse for Paul from his standpoint because Demon didn't leave in order to follow Jesus. Demas left Jesus to embrace the world. The pleasures of this world, he states, which is absolutely heartbreaking for Paul. Others had not abandoned him like Demas did, uh, but they simply had to leave. You see that Crescens and Titus, they both had ministry duties to fulfill in Galatia and Dalmatia. Um, ministry didn't stop just because Paul was in prison. But Paul does mention a handful of others that are with him. And this is where it kind of gets interesting. Like Luke and Eubulus and Pudens and Linus and Claudia. And then he still mentions others at the end in verse 21 where he says, And all of the brothers. Right? So, so there are people that are, that are around him, that have surrounded him, but he still feels alone. So with all these people still around him, why? Why does he feel this loneliness? Well, jump down to verse 16. It says, And at my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Now we need to be careful here because according to Paul, Luke was a faithful servant, a beloved friend, his personal physician, and, and, and his biographer, basically, right? And that we see in Acts. But maybe he was on a trip. Maybe he was ill. That's why he couldn't um, be, be by him or stand with him during his trial. But there were others. There were still other people that Paul considered faithful enough to send a message of greeting to Timothy. Right? He lists them in, hey, these people send greetings to you. So he considers them faithful, but they still weren't there at his greatest time of need. See, Paul was in a frightening situation. And he's in a frightening situation because, first, he's facing people like Alexander, the coppersmith, who we really don't know much about, but we do know that he did great harm to Paul. And, and he, he also mentions him to Timothy to say, hey, just beware. Beware of this guy, Alexander, because he did great harm to me. There's no telling what he might do to you as well. But secondly, Paul had no one to stand as a witness for his defense. No one there for him in his greatest time of need. So now, why did I say to be careful? Well, we need to be careful because 
Paul knew that he could find everything that he needs in Jesus, right? Just like the songs that we sang uh, today. We can find everything that we need, and Jesus can supply all of our needs. And, and we see this in verse, in verse 17, where, where Paul starts to break out into this time of worship. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's little mini worship service there at the end of, of, of Timothy. But I don't believe Paul added this letter to say, hey, look, I don't need you. I don't need you so-called Christians. I have Jesus. That's, that's not his point here, but his point is to give Timothy a reminder that good, even great Christians, even great brothers and sisters in Christ will let you down. Right? I think we've all experienced that in some form or fashion. Too many people, though, allow the failings of others to drive them away from Christ, saying, well, if that's the way that a follower of Jesus acts, then I don't want any part of that Jesus, which is sad. And we can't allow that to happen in our own lives. So Paul understands this so much so as he's writing to Timothy that he asks that though they deserted me, what? Do not charge it against them. Though they deserted me, though they were not by my side, don't charge it against them. Paul wanted Timothy, though, also to, to come quickly before winter, and we're going to kind of move on here, um, but not to come empty-handed. Not to come empty-handed. He asked for three things. So starting there in verse 11, what did he ask? He asked first to bring Mark, okay? Mark was once of no use to Paul. Earlier in his ministry, he deserted uh, Paul and, and he fled uh, the dangers of life um, to, to head for home. But now, towards the end of his life, Paul finds him very useful. We're not told why, but he just finds him very useful. And this, this is a kind of a reminder, hopefully, to us that good friends in ministry can let you down and still be good friends. Right? Good friends in ministry can let you down and still be good friends, so don't charge it against them. Just a continuation of that point. Secondly, he wanted his cloak. Um, and this seems odd. The most known Christian leader in the world wants his friend to bring his coat from over a thousand miles away. Right? Most of us would just say, hey, Paul, go buy another one. Right? Go buy another coat. You'll, you, we can... You'll be fine, but we can learn something from this as well. And we can learn that people with great influence and great authority do not need great possessions. Right? What did, what did the Lord remind us to do? Don't store up treasures in, on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. So that's the second thing he asked for was his cloak. And then finally, and probably most important, he asked for the books and above all, the parchments. Okay, we don't know uh, what, was, what, were, what these scrolls and parchments were exactly. Um, the fact that they're both plural suggests that they're probably more than just the scriptures. Um, but most likely, you know, his Old Testament copy um, to have with him. I mean, they could have been notes or some of his personal writings. 
But the least that we can say is that here is an apostle, an inspired spokesman of the living God who was enjoying Jesus standing by him to the very end. He wanted to be in fellowship with God by reading and thinking about him at the end of his days. So as his days were dwindling, Paul wanted to spend as much time as possible with those he loved and with the book that he loved. All right, so let's consider that. Where was Paul's focus? As his days were coming to end, where was his focus? He wanted to spend time with those he loved and with the book that he loved. And we can see that in the lives of those that we've seen uh, go home before us. Right? They, they want to spend time with the ones that they love and then also with Jesus, whom they loved here on earth. But Paul became very focused on only, on, on only the things that mattered most as his death came to a close, as his death grew, drew near, sorry. And I hope that we notice that his awareness of what mattered most grew out of his greatest need at that moment. And his greatest need at that moment was he was alone and he was lonely. So how do we apply this section of scripture? Well, Thanksgiving is coming Thursday, right? Anybody's like, amen? Yeah? Okay, good. Somebody out there. All right. Um, fa- uh, gravy is my favorite. Anybody else gravy fans? Okay, good. All right. Um, yeah, I could, I could, you know, straight line gravy, uh, and it would, it would, it would be perfect. Um, but we'll gather this Thanksgiving, and we'll be with friends, and we'll eat ourselves into a turkey coma, and then sleep during football, which all good people do on Thanksgiving. And yet, all of us will carry into that holiday, and all of the other holidays to come, a varying degree of loneliness. Right? For for some. This loneliness will be manageable because we've had that time uh, to, to, to just allow that to become the fact that, hey, we're getting used that the people that used to be here with us are no longer with us. Some, of course, have, have you know, departed by death, but others have just been taken by life. I'm talking with Pastor Derek, you know, his, this is his first Thanksgiving with no children around where they'll wake up, or no, maybe it's Christmas. I think it's Christmas. They're not going to have any children with them when they wake up, so they'll, they'll be in that, that empty nest home. But others, the loneliness of Thursday will be acute. The loneliness of Christmas will be acute um, because of recent deaths or divorce or just life situations and how life has turned out. And, and you dread holidays. You, in fact, truth be told, you not only dread holidays, but you dread most days. You're lonely on Thanksgiving, you're lonely on Christmas Day, and you're lonely every day. So what can the lonely learn from Paul in these verses? Let's, let's point out two things, and these are in your, in your bulletin. When lonely, speak out. When lonely, speak out. Paul says, do your best to come to me soon, Timothy. The words that follow explain why uh, he felt alone. And the text makes it clear that he had people nearby. People that Paul loved and that loved that, who loved Paul, right? But those people had become so fixated 
on their lives that they had lost sight of Paul. And Paul is clear that he didn't want to make, make them bad people, right? And he makes it clear that it, he doesn't hold it against them. See, people everywhere are wrapped up in our own lives and our own concerns, right? We're wrapped up in the stuff that's going on in our home, in our lives, and with our families. But Paul, he found a friend who meant the most and said transparently, honestly, I need you, right? In silence about your loneliness, the devil can go to work. And he wants your cone of silence about your loneliness to become fertile soil in which bitterness can grow. And the problem is, is that bitterness will only serve to make you even more lonely. It will cause you to push people away, and it will cause them, those people, to consciously withdraw from you, right? When all they've been doing at that point is being concerned about what's going on in their own lives. And they'll consciously withdraw, innocently losing sight of you and your need. So if you find yourself being overwhelmed by your loneliness at this time of the year, or really any time of the year, find a close friend and offload, right? Tell them that you're lonely. And that friend or those friends will come alongside of you. Secondly, when you're lonely, gaze up. Look up, right? Look up. Even when physically and emotionally alone, Paul knew that he wasn't really alone. His God was with him. He focused on that to the point that it caused his heart to erupt in worship. He recognized that he was with God. And God knew exactly where he was. And so how do we cultivate the upward look? Well, Paul asked for scriptures, right? He asked for the books, he asked for the scrolls because he knew the voice of God was in his word. And remember back in, in Timothy, in uh, uh, verse, chapter three, verse 16, uh, that all of God's word are breathed out by God. They're literally his words. And so he wanted those scriptures so that he could hear the voice of God clearly. And no, he wasn't really ever alone. Again, isolation is one of the oldest tricks of Satan's book for believers. If he can take your loneliness and your refusal to tell others what you're going through and turn it into bitterness, then he can very quickly take that bitterness that is directed towards others and turn it back to God. He can take that bitterness that's directed towards others and turn it back to God. And then he's got you. Because then you are really alone. Because you are running from the one who is always there. So let's wrap this up. Let's, let's close by thinking of some practical ways that, that we can speak out and look up to combat loneliness. Let's, let's first start with those who are experiencing loneliness today. Um, first, let me encourage you right now to identify a person. Identify a person 
Who is somebody that you can call out to and say, I need you? Write their name down. As soon as we're done with service today, give them a call and say, I need you. Secondly, if you found yourself disappointed at the lack of awareness of those people around you, towards your loneliness, this is a challenge. (laughs) Spend some time in prayer. Pray for their blessing. Pray for their blessing. And then ask for forgiveness from God if you found yourself growing embittered towards them. Bitterness is a dangerous world to dive into. Don't allow that to overtake you. Third, make it a point to connect with your church family at a deeper level. Join a Sunday school class. We have the greatest Sunday school system within Southern Baptist churches. I really believe that. Dive into a class. Get to know other people. Allow other people to wrap themselves around you, to know what you're going through, and to help you through those times of need. Fourth, make a plan to connect with God. Make a plan to connect with God. If you're daily not diving into God's word and getting to know him and getting to hear his voice, you need to do that. Make a plan where you read a chapter a day and just start. Pick out the time and the place and make it happen. Make it a priority. And then finally, spend some energy memorizing Psalm 23. It's a psalm that most of you already know, or at least parts of it, so it's not going to take you much time. But it's a wonderful passage that reminds us that we are never alone, that God is always with us. And when you find yourself feeling lonely, meditate on Psalm 23. Allow that to sink into your soul. Allow that to become a part of who you are so that when those times of loneliness creep up, you can know that God is with you and walking with you day in and day out. Now, in closing, let me speak to us that maybe not be experiencing loneliness. But notice that we're surrounded by people who are. First, ask God's forgiveness for being so self-absorbed that you've forgotten about the lonely around you. God, forgive me for not having eyes to see those people around me. Secondly, reach out to all the people who might come to mind right now that you suspect are feeling lonely during this season. Reach out to them. Give them a call. Make sure they're okay. Make sure they're dealing with life well. And then finally, if the opportunity presents it, um, open up your Thanksgiving table. Invite them to be a part of your celebration this Thursday. We have young families here that that may be far from home and they're spending Thanksgiving by themselves. Invite them. Say, hey, would you like to join us in in our celebration of Thanksgiving? And they might say no because they're like, no, we want to build our own traditions. And that's great. But still check up and make sure that they're okay. Or consider your neighbor's. Consider the widow or the widower or the single parent that could use somebody to just come into their life and show them the hands and feet of Jesus. 
and be there for them uh, this Thursday. Find out who they are. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we will all be lonely someday. Whether you're experiencing it now or, or we know we'll experience it in the future, you will be lonely someday. And when we are, it will help us to speak out and to ask someone to be present if folks around us are eager to respond. When people are eager to respond, it's easy for us to speak out. This is not an easy, woohoo, go get them Thanksgiving message. But loneliness is a a serious issue and, and a serious thing that we see Paul wrestle through here in 2 Timothy. And it's something that we, as brothers and sisters of Christ, if we can help each other, we can show each other who Christ is and what he means in our life. Pray with me.